Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. So let me add my good mornings. I'm uh, Pastor Michelle Morris, and it is a joy to be with you today on this day, this Sunday before Christ the King Sunday. Christ the King Sunday is the end of the Christian year. And it seemed appropriate on this day to do a state of the church address, so to speak. So we're going to frame that with uh, the feeding of the 5,000 from John chapter 6. So here are these words from the scriptures. After this, Jesus went across the Galilee Sea, that is, the Tiberias Sea. A large crowd followed him because they had seen the miraculous signs he had done among the sick. Jesus went up a mountain and sat there with his disciples. It was nearly time for Passover, the Jewish festival. Jesus looked up and saw the large cloud coming toward him. He asked Philip, where will we buy food to feed these people? Jesus said this to test him, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, more than half a half year's salary worth of food wouldn't be enough for each person to have even a little bit. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, A youth here has five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that for a crowd like this? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass there. They sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the bread. When he had given thanks, he distributed it to those who were sitting there. He did the same with the fish, each getting as much as they wanted. When they had plenty to eat, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover pieces so that nothing will be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves that had been left over by those who had eaten. When the people saw that he had done a miraculous sign, they said, this is truly the prophet who is coming into the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts our minds, and our eyes, that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So National Geographic produced a a series called Brain Games. And one of the very first episodes that I watched had an experiment in which they showed uh, footballs bouncing back and forth across the screen. And they said, your goal is to count the footballs. So we had to sit there and count the footballs. Um, going back and forth, and there were 27 footballs that bounced across the screen. But what was interesting about that was there was, at the same time those, 12, those 27 footballs were bouncing back and forth, there was a banner running in the background right behind the footballs that said, stop counting, there are 27 footballs. But no one sees the banner behind the footballs. It's what's called sensory gating. Our brains only see a certain amount of visual information that's before us. The things that our brains pre-filter to say this is important, these are the goals that we need to see. It's why a lot of times in churches people only see the people they know and they don't see the visitors because their brains are looking for people they know. 
It's also why you can go through the same event and two different people can narrate it completely differently, which is what brings us to this passage today. This is one of only a few stories that appears in all four Gospels. And I will say they are, for the Gospels, remarkably similar. They do all agree that there were five loaves and two fish. And they do all agree that there were 12 baskets left over. But from there, it gets a little dicey. For instance, how many people were there? Well, all of the Gospels say 5,000. But some of them say 5,000 men. And then there were also women and children. Some of them say 5,000 altogether. This, this is preacher math. Preachers never know how to count the number of people that come to worship, right? Um, we always disagree on that. And then there's a question of had they been sitting there all day listening to Jesus and then got hungry? Or were it, like it is in the Gospel of John, they were just coming up and Jesus says we need to, we need to feed them. And then there's a question of who brought the loaves and the fish. In some counts, it's the disciples. In some, it's some random people. This is what we have. And in this story, it's a youth. It's not about when we point out these differences in the story, whether the story is true or false. It just shows that there are limits to our perspective. That sometimes we don't see the whole picture. Or sometimes we see things differently because of who we are and because of our own life experiences. But it also points out, this story in particular, that there are limits to what we see as possible. That we tend to look at the material right in front of us and then put limits on those material. Whereas what we really need is a God vision. We really need to see who is all there and what are the possibilities with all of the people that are there. That's what God sees. God sees what those possibilities are. When we, when we consider this particular passage, there are a couple of different ways that it tends to be explained as to how this miracle happened. Some will say that it absolutely was the case that Jesus made multiple loaves and multiple fish appear from the ones that were brought forward. That it was a true miracle of production of, of material. But there's another explanation for this miracle, and it's called the miracle of generosity. That in fact, what happened was someone brought some gift forward, and it seemed meager, but it was given with such generosity and such hope and such vision that it inspired everyone else that was gathered there to start putting a little bit in the basket, what they had to share. And then once everyone did that, there was an abundance left over. What if that's what God saw? What if when Jesus looked across that people, he saw there was so much there? What do you suppose God sees when God looks across us? What do you suppose God sees? What miracles does God see residing in us? Well, to get a sense, I think we need to pull back and get a view from the mountaintop, like where Jesus and the disciples were gathered. We need to get this overall view. Now, I cannot give you a God vision. I'm not God. Uh, but I can give you a bigger picture for what we see. So let's start with how many people. 
How many people do we see when we look across this field of vision? Well, I'll tell you, I ran some numbers. Now, again, I've just admitted this is preacher math, but I had other people check my numbers, so hopefully, hopefully this is solid. I ran the numbers on our in-person average for the month of October. In the month of October, between the two services, we averaged 158.4 people. <laughs> I don't know who the point four is. Maybe some of these. Um, 158.4 people in worship in person. But we also have a podcast. And that's a way that people engage our worship now. And over the month of October, we averaged 138.2 people listening to the podcast every week. And then, of course, we're broadcasting online right now. And we also load some of our worship services up to YouTube. Now, online numbers are notoriously hard to figure out because people don't always reveal themselves. If you're out there online, I'd love it if you'd say hi in the thread so we can see you. Um, But there are ways to track. What I look at when I look at who has worshipped with us online is I go into Facebook and I looked at who watched at least one minute of our worship service. That's the longest uh, Facebook tracks. So they watch at least one minute of our worship service. But also when we're looking at online, online is frequently someone has signed on, but more than one person is watching the worship service. A lot of people will cast their worship service up onto their television. So more than one person can be watching that service. So take the number of people that have watched for at least a minute and multiply by 1.75. As as we've tried to figure this out in the conference offices, kind of figured that that's a pretty decent number. So multiply that times 1.75. So we take that, those numbers, Facebook and YouTube, our average for the week, for each week in October, was 258.75 people. That means that if we add all of those numbers together, in any given week, 555.35 people worship with us. 555 people, y'all. We look out in this room, we don't see 555 people, but there are 555 people with us. And I want to give a shout out to Wyatt Russell, who did a Lego video for us for Children First and really raised our worship numbers. (laughs) A little child will lead us, right? But that's how many we are. Now, where are we? One fascinating thing about online is we can tell what countries people popped in and saw us. And over the course of October, did you know people from 31 countries joined us in worship, including people from the United Kingdom, Australia, Haiti, Jamaica, South Africa, Sri Lanka, India, China, France, and Germany. Hey, y'all. Welcome. Bienvenue. (laughs) Um, We're glad you're with us. But then there's a question of how many could we be? Well, I will tell you that we have 69 YouTube subscribers, 486 Instagram followers, 1,813 Facebook followers, and 4,835 TikTok followers. And for this, I give a shout out to Matt and Brooke because they have been doing these wonderful videos, Stump Matt videos, 
And one of those, our Dolly Parton 9 to 5 video, got 164,200 views. Yeah. How big could we be? Well, now that raises the question, what's the size of the basket containing the mission that we are now called and potentially equipped to do? So I want to share with you a budget breakdown. You can see it um, maybe. There we go, up there. Um, and I'll give you, I'll hit some highlights of that. Um, this is broken down by programs. is 3% worship and music, 3%. The conference tithe, which is what we give to the larger church, is 10%. Administrative costs are 5%. Facilities, 18%. Hospitality and marketing, 2%. And salaries, 59%. I want to tell you that's very common for a budget in the church. It's very common. Um, our largest expenses almost always are facilities and salaries. Um, and that particular breakdown is a healthy breakdown. For salaries, a healthy balance for size of church and size of budget, um, the percentage of salaries should fall between 55 and 60%. And I will tell you in a town like Bentonville, where you got to pay for talent, um, it's going to be on the higher end. So we are in a healthy balance right there. Now, one of my questions whenever I looked at that was, um, you know, where's our mission? Where's our mission budget? Well, our mission is in all of that. It's in the ways that the staff bring God to you all and help equip you for the mission and ministry that you do. Um, it's in our programs that we offer. It's even in the copies that we make. But it's also in the building. Now, I will tell you, it took me a long time to come to peace with how expensive a church building is. And the only time I'm at peace is when it serves as a tool for ministry. It's our biggest tool for ministry that we have. And I will tell you that Tony ran some numbers, and she estimates that just simply by housing the nonprofits and the recovery ministries that we house in this in this space through the week, we save those groups approximately two hundred thousand dollars a year. That's two hundred thousand dollars worth of giving that we do by providing this building and paying the electricity and providing that space. And that tool for ministry is a hard expense. We cannot change what those expenses are, except, you know, remember to turn the lights off from time to time. But for most of the, mo most of the reality, we can't change that expense. And it does take maintenance. And I will tell you that over the last year, we played a little bit of catch-up on the maintenance of this building. Um, it had fallen behind in its, in its care and repair. Um, but while we were shut down and expenses were low, we took an opportunity to do some work on that. And we're going to share a video on some of the work that's happened um, in the last year. Outside, roofing is in the process of all being replaced. Painting has been done on the outside of the church. Um, landscaping, all the trees trimmed on this big campus. HVACs have been updated periodically. I think we have 12 or 13 units and I think we're good shape on eight or nine of those now. Uh, fresh paint, as I said, throughout the inside uh, of the church, which really makes a difference. 
we are in the process of replacing all the ceiling tiles. We updated our furniture, as you can see. Uh, we added new mirrors, and but we kept some of our, our classic items that have been in the church that shows our history, our silver, our crystal, and we updated our china cabinet. But this is our new video and sound setup here in the balcony. We've had to make a lot of adjustments and do a lot of wiring so that we can get efficient quality out of our live stream um, and our in-house sound. We just went out, bought a couple of gallons of paint, started painting. We, so we initially repainted all of the walls in the, and then we found out we were getting Andrea. So I came over and painted her walls. Um, then at, when we started doing some all of the major changes, we took out the old carpet and put in our new flooring, which we love. So we eliminated, we used to have about five freezers in here, so we were able to eliminate and kind of consolidate down and get a new freezer. And then with the contribution from that family, we added new flooring. Um, we were able to put in a new ice maker, because our previous ice maker um, had some issues. We painted all the walls, we cleaned everything up, and um, we had a family who donated and did some new uh, facing on our, our island cabinets. So we have new mirrors in our space, we have different decorations that we ro rotate out from time to time so that when we have visitors especially, they come in and they see a fresh space, something modern. And then uh, Paul Branham repurposed one of our welcome centers into this beautiful piece, um, which is also our new welcome center. And I'll, I'll share with you, there's actually a longer video that we'll put on YouTube that goes into more detail on that, including talking about the work that needs to happen in Heinz Hall in order for us to return in there for this worship service. Uh, so I encourage you to check that out. But you can see that we've done some work. But that I, I believe that there's still room for vision in these tools of ministries that we have. What, how can we make this space more useful? Could we envision this as a co-working space, as people need places to encounter community when they're working at home more often? Um, could we? How can we see this as a place for communal gathering? And then how can we grow our mission in general? You know, the ministry innovation grants that we, that we announced last week that are funded by the endowment, um, those are going to plant seeds. And, and what, what will we see grow from that? And how can we integrate that into our budget? Which raises this question of what's going into the basket. So we have another graph here for you to show you um, the expenses, the expense breakdown. And, and we've run this from fiscal year 17 through fiscal year 22. And I don't know how much you can tell about that. The blue is the budget giving, um, the budget, the, the um, kind of mustard color like my shirt is actual giving. Um, and then the line is the expenses. And you can see that with the exception of two years, fiscal year 20, and 21, by the way, is stumpy because that was a half year when we moved to going to a July to June budget. Um, those are the only two years that actual giving exceeded expenses. And that, but that's pretty universal because the churches were shut down and the expenses dropped, but giving maintained. Um, and we're so grateful for that. But you can see that we have kind of an issue here. We keep um, overspending what we're bringing in. 
And I'm going to tell you that this year we're going to make our bills. We're not going to have to take out extra funding as long as giving continues the way it is. We will not have to take out or, in fact, we're going to pay down a good chunk on the line of credit that we have. But we can do it this year. No promises we can do it next year. Um, And so something's got to give. We're going to have to strike a balance between what we're budgeting and what we're actually bringing in. And that can happen two ways. We can cut expenses. And I'll tell you, building we can't cut. It's all the other stuff that has to be cut. So you can cut expenses or you can increase giving. And that's, that's the challenge that is before us. But we do have to learn to live with what's in the basket. And if we do, now I want to say that, that this number is just like regular giving. This does not include Walmart matching grants. This does not include money that was given to the building fund that's moving over. This does not include endowment. This does not include those um, additional pieces because what we'd love to be able to do is use those additional pieces for cushion if there's hard days and for visioning new ministries. That's what we'd love to be able to do with that. We would love to be able to consider those our 12 baskets of leftovers, right? So now we got to consider who, who's throwing into the basket. The basket's coming around. You're invited into a miracle. I'm going to share with you in the last 12 months, we've had 326 identified givers. Of those 326 identified givers, 12% have given 50% of the offerings. And 48% have given 90% of the offerings. Now, I'll tell you, that's not a number that shocks me. That's also fairly common. But maybe it should shock me. Maybe it should. Because the question is before us is, what does God see in us? God sees what we are, who we are, and what we have. God looks out over the field and sees us for that totality. And if you're giving all you can, thank you. Thank you for that. And if you have need of bread and fish, please reach in the basket. Let us feed you body and soul. We are here to offer that to you. But if you have something to share, you have something to throw in the basket and be part of the miracle, I want to invite you to do that. I want to invite you into the miracle that God sees in us. I know, I know it's hard. I know in uncertain times, like we don't know what church is going to look like, but I'm telling you, our church is strong. 555 people worshiping with us. See that. And then I know there's some uncertainty about the denomination, but I just went to the Church of the Resurrection a couple of weeks ago to meet about the future of the denomination. And you know what I found out? Methodists love each other. We don't want to leave each other. And it doesn't really matter what General Conference decides to do. We don't have to. We want to be in community with each other, even when we disagree. That's who we are. And that will stay who we are. And that, in this day and age, is a miracle. And that's what God sees. God sees our miracles. God sees what we can do. 
my guess is that your vision sees that too. That you see the miracles we do every week. You see the miracle in the child that sings a song about Jesus. You see the miracle in a youth that knows peace in an anxious time. You see the miracle in people set free from grief. You see the miracle in people who dig deep in this world. You see the family who gets fed by our pantry. And you see someone who has never felt welcome finding a home here. You see those miracles. God sees those miracles. And God knows what we have in us. So throw what you have in and see the miracle God sees in you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example for radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.